Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end jump, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get! Don't you ever talk about me! L.O.B. He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! The quarterback, you can't fight! It is the uh, final podcast of the season. As ever, we've got Kim Fahey and Sam Monson and um, McCarthy with us to talk about um, the old adage that defence wins championships, that it's 100% correct. Is it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it this year. Yeah. Well, it's kind of <laughs> true most years, right? I don't know. I'll let the lads answer that. I'm still a bit down about the worst Super Bowl that I can ever remember. It wasn't great. It definitely wasn't great. Sam, what's your takeaway from the game? I, I thought it was a good game. I, people... It, it was a defensive battle on both sides of the ball. Both defenses played really, really well, and that forced a lot of turnovers. Turnovers, I don't think, are necessarily bad plays. You know, it's it's obviously a catastrophe for the offense, but these are strip sacks we're talking about in large part and forced fumbles, and these are plays that almost all of them were takeaways as opposed to giveaways. You know, the one glaring exception that was the ball that bounced off Ted Ginn's hand straight into the, the arms of the defender, but... This was a Super Bowl that had some really, really high-level defense in it. And I don't think it was that sloppy on offense. I don't think there was that much bad football about it. There's, you know, People are miserable because the NFL these days is all about... It's like arena league with nothing but passing offense and highlight real plays and big plays on offense where nobody gets touched and goes the distance. I thought this was a really good game. Well, look, I, I think that we can definitely all agree that the, the defense was like at a very elevated level um, on both sides as well. The, the Panthers actually played really well. But um, I guess my disappointment was that I didn't feel like Cam played to his potential. And certainly um, the Denver offense was very stuttery. Was it 12 successive three and outs? Yeah, that's definitely true. Certainly in Cam's instance, this wasn't that the same level we've seen from the MVP all through the season. I think he played okay. In fact, he played reasonably well. But at some point, he just got completely overwhelmed by the sheer volume of pressure that was coming at him and wasn't able to, to take you know, a step or two up that he needed to in order to overcome what was, what was happening to him. So that was a little bit disappointing, but I don't think it was surprising given the sheer volume of pressure that was coming at him. You know, his tackles were getting destroyed. The offensive line in the middle was losing as well. So that, I think, was inevitable. And the other side, you know, we knew Peyton Manning was this we were talking about him being a game-managing quarterback going into the game. So I don't think anybody expected the Denver offense to come with anything other than extremely small um, <laughs> Three plays that were just, yeah, that were just <laughs> enough to try and keep the thing ticking over. Yeah, which is just about what they managed to do. Kim, what's your takeaway? Well, I actually thought it was a really good game for a while, like Sam said. I remember, I think there was about seven or eight minutes left in the second quarter, and I tweeted out basically just saying this is a really enjoyable game, even though it doesn't may not look that great. But... I think after that point, it kind of really went a bit sluggish and a bit sloppy. I didn't think the second half was enjoyable at all much. Maybe it's because there wasn't as much drama at the end. And recent Super Bowls, we've got used to big drama at the end. Just last year, Mick obviously loves that last year, last year's game. But even the year before... Tell me about that again. Huh? Tell me about that again. What happened last year? No, we all remember. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
I think Marshall Lynch ran in a touchdown. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think it was a little bit kind of lifeless in the second half. Um, Cam Newton's getting a lot of criticism this this week, and it, it's kind of for stuff that wasn't really about football. Obviously, the play, the fumble recovery, non-fumble recovery, that was kind of a confusing play. But overall, I thought he played pretty well. It was more about his receivers because I went through his uh, his throws this week, and I came away thinking that his receivers left eight eight catches they should have made for about 93, 98 yards, I think it was. It was one of, the, one of those two, which is a huge amount because yeah. even just look at Peyton Manning through for about 140 in total. Yeah, and also the fact that, like, okay, so the somersault from Jonathan Stewart into the end zone probably suggests that whatever they had jacked him up on for the five minutes after the ankle injury worked, it didn't seem to work for the whole game. It, he was definitely a diminished character and you feel like you take that away and suddenly his crappy receivers are actually crappy as opposed to playing way above themselves and Cam Newton is not Superman, he is human. Even at the start, I thought they'd open the game with running running straight down the middle of the defence trying to test the, the centre of the Broncos where they're kind of faster rather than bigger. And they didn't do that. They played a lot of shotgun and threw the ball a lot more than I expected them to. Stewart's injury obviously didn't help, but in general, I didn't think they had the greatest game plan. I thought Cam looked shattered, like really, really early on. Now, I don't know. Like Sometimes, you know, there's there's people in all sports that sometimes just look like that. And either he's in the zone and plays really well or he plays really badly and you go, actually. Yeah, yeah. but we were coming up towards half time at home just kind of going like, he doesn't look himself. He just looks exhausted. He's heavy. He's sweating. He's, you know, panting. I don't know. I don't know whether that was a factor. I don't know whether he had to do too much as well. You know, it's like as Jer saying that uh, Stewart wasn't really a factor other than the touchdown. Um, his receivers weren't showing. They weren't getting open. He was under an awful lot of pressure all the time from Miller and from basically everybody on the Broncos front seven. And he and obviously there was that period in the second quarter where he just took it upon himself to run for first downs all the time. So I don't know whether that just took it out of him and. That meant that he wasn't himself, but look, as 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 Keane says, maybe he did have a better game than we're expecting. I kind of find it interesting though that you know all season we've talked about the um the flaws of the Panthers and their Achilles heel being that they have no um offensive weapons in the receiving game except for maybe Greg Olson, and you know they got away with it all year. And I'm sure there was there was times when they didn't play well, but ultimately it wasn't it didn't do them any damage. And then in the biggest game of them all, they completely flop and cam has left you know he was mvp without them all year and then suddenly he is you know a choker now because those guys didn't turn up part of that is the defense because i think it was um which i can't remember which fumble it was i think it was the last fumble that one of his receivers was wide open and it's just because von miller is so quick you're getting rid of the big plays that were were making up for those drops Mm. and if the pressure up front is that good you're going to lose plays like that that you don't really see on the broadcast um should they have just run more designed quarterback runs, Sam, to try and A, get him into the game, B, get the running game going and see see what the hell might happen if they were giving their best athlete and best offensive weapon the opportunity to do something? It was a weird game plan for Carolina because we've talked all season long about how the, the, thing, the biggest thing in their favor is that they've been so diverse and so creative on offense, especially in the running game in large part because of what Cam Newton allows him to do as this unique rushing threat as a quarterback. And they really didn't do much in terms of creativity running the ball. The Broncos players were all saying afterwards that it was nothing new. They didn't break out any new wrinkles. They expected everything they saw. 
And they didn't even run that much of the creative stuff that they'd shown before. They, they, they broke out a couple of option plays, and the option plays worked. They stressed that Denver defense, and there was confusion as to who was assigned to which particular part of the offense, and it gained good ground, and they just didn't really run any more of them. They just kind of went away from it, went back to passing. And I think part of it is going down 10 points early. You, you can allow yourself to get out of your game plan and think, we need to pass, we need to get back into this game. Even though, you know, 10 points early in the game, it's not good, but it's not a problem. You know, it's not the kind of score that you need to run from and, and change everything you're doing to get back into it, especially when passing is the worst possible thing you could be doing in the face of this defense. The weakness they have is defending the run, especially the option stuff that you're capable of running, but you actually just played right into their hands by feeling the pressure that you needed to try and keep pace, and it allowed them to just pin their ears back and get after them. So it, it, the Carolina play callers choked a bit rather than the players themselves? Yeah, I think so. I, I, the, the offensive line was overmatched. It just wasn't able to cope against Denver. But we said that going into the game. We said Denver had the advantage if Carolina was passing the ball. And, you know, the, the, thing, the single biggest determining factor on that side of the ball was whether they would allow that to happen or whether they'd be able to run the ball and keep the ball on the ground and lean on them that way. And they just, they just didn't do it. They, they actually had some success when they were running the ball that way with some of the stuff they can do. But they allowed themselves to go away from the run too quickly and, and make it this passing game where Denver definitely had the advantage. So I think that was a far bigger problem than Cam Newton and even the, the receivers. You know, they lost Philly Brown. Philly Brown was doing okay. Yeah. Ted Ginn didn't have a bad game. It's just that the one drop he had went straight to the defender's hands, which made it look horrendous. Um, but you know, they, they were no bigger a problem than they'd been for the rest of the season. It was just that the offensive line was in ribbons and they didn't run the ball. I think um, I think your point about uh, Denver not seeing anything new or and and kind of co- seeing everything coming was kind of best summed up at that um, reverse play to Ted Ginn, who was to, to throw the ball and become a quarterback, and he just had five guys running down on top of him. It was like they seen it coming all day. But I just want to ask, um, you know, we, Jer mentioned maybe the the play callers choking. I mentioned the receiver uh, core choking. You know, we're kind of talking about Carolina in that regard. Denver won the game with like two two um the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, two of the best defensive displays I can remember. And the Steelers as well. And, and amazing against the Steelers as well. Like I'm just wondering, like, we've talked about them all year like they were a non factor, even though they kept winning these ugly games. The quarterback play was terrible. Um, but you know, we just didn't see this coming. Like, I mean, was this I guess my question is, did we underrate the Broncos or was it a poor season where an average football team won the Super Bowl? I think there was definitely a stretch late in the season where that defense got a bit banged up with injuries and the way the Steelers were able to gash them the first time they met, I think that lulled people into a, a false sense of security of, of, of underestimating how good that defense was and sort of seeing what they do when, they, when they're banged up and when they've been forced to, to go to plan B, etc., but all the way through the year, when they've been healthy and when they've been able to do plan A on defense, they have absolutely destroyed teams. They've just suffocated them in coverage, got after them as a pass-rushing force, uh, stuffed the run really well as well. I think this is, at their best, is one of the all-time great defenses in league history. And then, yeah, I think the offense, it's not a good unit. The offense is pretty bad. I think that probably led people in this offensive league 
to suggest that sooner or later the wheels will come off. But I think just at the point where that would have happened, you know, against these better teams in the playoffs that were able to almost entirely shut down the Denver offense, the defense took another step forward and became even better. And at some point, if you're that good on defense, the offense doesn't have to be any good. It just has to get something. Five yards to win the, the for the last touchdown, for example, because the, the defense is so amazing. You know, good field position. Oh, the five yard line from the, the Carlisle five. Nobody's line. talking about CJ Anderson getting the the closing score. It was another defensive score, basically, even though they didn't actually get it. He had a hundred yards. He like, yeah. you know, if Carolina had a running back with a hundred yards, we could very well be talking about something different. Um, it's been really interesting. I thought, Kian, that uh, in the immediate aftermath, everybody's like, oh no, no, this is not the '85 Bears. This is not the 2000 Ravens. I bet in like three years' time, people are going to be going. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Peyton Manning could barely walk. And uh, Denver conceded four touchdowns in three games against Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, and Cam Newton, who was the league's MVP. They deserve to be in the same conversation as the 2000 Ravens. I honestly don't know why we've, well, maybe we isn't the right term, but in general, I don't know why they've been overlooked so much because they've been really, really good since the regular season. I think I remember we came on a podcast first time against the Packers, and this is at a time when the Packers still looked like a decent offense. Maybe not decent, but good enough, not the disaster they were late on. We came on a podcast, and I remember Sam saying that the, the, the Broncos' performance was one of the best he's seen, or it was just phenomenal. And there was no one really talking about them at that stage. And maybe that's the, the curse of Peyton Manning in a way, that he kind of draws all of the attention away from everyone else on his team. But I think this defense, to me, is clearly the best in the league right now. I would compare it to the, the best defense we've seen recently in the Seahawks one that shut down Manning in the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah. Because it just has star players at every level and the whole unit plays extremely fast. They just swarm to the ball and they're really disciplined. And it's it's really hard to find a defense that good and we should care a lot more about it. It's not even that we can't point to, like sometimes you can point to defensive players being a little boring, being the whole side of that game being boring. But when you've got Vaughn Miller and DeMarcus Ware coming off the edges, you've got that explosion, you've got that, that eye-catching thing that happens right next to the ball, right around the ball. So... You would think we'd be able to celebrate that easily enough. Oh, yeah. Akeem Talib wasn't very disciplined, though, was he? Oh, my God, that man. <laughs> that nearly killed someone. That's, like, oh, that's a neck What breaker. do you have to do to get kicked out of a game in the NFL? Well, he checked. actually said afterwards, by the way, I know Stewart scored in the next in the next play, so it didn't really matter. He basically said, I tried to take his head off because it was going to be a one-yard penalty anyway, half the distance to the yeah. goal. There has to be some sort of... I, I, I have no problem with that penalty, as it happens. I think the one that was really stupid was the taunting thing, where he got join with a guy down the sideline for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Cost him 15 yards, I think, on a play that was getting them off the field. Extended was, yeah. a drive that could have really cost them. The, I have more of a problem with the coverage on the play that got the face mask. You know, you've given up a big play. At that point, he's just trying to save a touchdown. And, you know, and By trying to no, kill a man. Like, surely there has look, to be punishment. You're just grabbing hold of whatever is there to grab hold of. If it happens to be his face mask, so be it. You're taking him off mm, the field. Yeah. I would say um, just on Tlaib actually is a good point and Ware is another one. I mean, this was already a pretty good Broncos defense um, and I think it was after the Super Bowl in um, two years ago where like, so you have to give like John Elway and their personnel people credit there. Like, I mean, they kind of said, look, we have a really good defense here. Let's go and make it the best. Yeah. And they went out and got some decent players um, through free agency in particular. So, I mean, I don't know if, if enough of it has been talked about them in terms of like building this as one of the all-time great defenses you know and obviously um wade phillips as well like i mean he was a running joke when he was at dallas his now like 
I don't know whether he's kind of past the idea, past the sort of age of going back into head coaching as well. But like, I mean, as a defensive coordinator, he's going to be remembered forever for his performances in the playoffs. Yeah, he he definitely was in the the. He's, he's defensive coordinator of the year, so you get an award for that. Just that we should actually talk a little bit about Wade Phillips because this is a, is a league where you hit a certain age and then suddenly you're you're completely past it. And Elway deserves a bit of credit. He got he got a lot of heat for picking his mates to run the team, um, and it was a big risk because this was somebody who uh, in Kubiak didn't necessarily have the type of game plan that was going to suit Peyton Manning. And then all of a sudden, actually, you know, they managed to work it out over a period of time. And this old guy is actually dialing up stuff that is uh, terrifying the MVP and and really pummeling away at the weaknesses. And you know, there's there's a lesson in all sports that like age actually is kind of irrelevant. It's about the brain that you use to analyze games. I think yeah, Wade Phillips always had this reputation, even when he was failing as a head coach in Dallas, that he was a great defensive coordinator and a great defensive mind, but not a great head coach. And I think he's one of those guys where once he did crap out as a head coach, he was a smart pickup for somebody as a defensive coordinator because even in Dallas's even in Dallas, his defenses were smart. They made sense. They were modern. They were one gap attacking schemes that really got after you. And I think what we've seen this year is that he's developed even then. He's been more sophisticated on defense. He hasn't just gone cover one, man coverage across the board the way he's normally done, when it's really come down to it in these last couple of games against potentially very, very dangerous teams like New England and Carolina, he's dialed up a lot more different things. He hasn't just gone out and run man coverage across the board, but he's shown some zone and he's mixed up between the two and tried to keep these guys off balance as much as just gone down swinging with what he wants to do. And I think that's really, really impressive. That's something that you don't necessarily expect coming from a guy who's as set in his ways and as versed in doing things the way he's always done it as he has been. That's, I think, it was really encouraging when they did it against New England and to do it again in the Super Bowl, yeah. I just think is an incredible job. Yeah, and they, they managed everybody. Everybody played well. Everybody played <clears throat> up to their potential. There was no one kind of uh, crap in the bed the way there were some players in the Panthers who seemed to be doing that. So yeah. they, they dealt with the occasion in a way that maybe we... You know, outside you kind of forget that these are human beings who get a little bit carried away with the two weeks of hoopla beforehand. Chris Harris looked himself as well, whereas you take, um, sorry, name is escaping me on the Carolina side, the broken arm. Oh, yeah. Thomas Davis. Davis. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I don't think he, you know, had his... A Thomas Davis kind of game. He wasn't yeah. too bad. For, for guy with a broken arm, I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what I mean. You know what there. I mean. It's like they were healthy at the right time. Yeah, you know, it's there was a lot true. of talk about Harris coming into the playoffs. Whether he'd be, he'd make it at all. If you've got like him, Tlaib, and Ward in the secondary, you're doing pretty well. And that's and and, but we're only talking about their front seven. Like that's how good they actually are as as a defense. Can I we thought, talk? Go on, sorry. I thought Bradley Roby had a fantastic game as well. Can we talk a bit about the um, the team formations and, and what it means for front offices that Denver went out and spent all this money and acquired talent and managed it properly? And we're wondering if this is actually a blueprint for other teams. But I guess it really isn't because they they picked up specific bits and you can try and ape that, but you end up with a situation like maybe Miami had last year or Detroit have had in previous years where your cap space just gets completely out of control or even New Orleans and you've just got bad players, you've got one wrong player. Like, they didn't really whiff on anything. I mean, maybe Vernon Davis, but it was a fifth-round pick for five weeks, and it's irrelevant. 
Well, that's kind of the mistake that's generally made. We focus on where uh, teams get their players from and how they do it, but it, it's really it's just about being smart on what you're doing. You have to you have to use free agency, you have to use the draft, you have to use even trades, every every possible avenue you have to use, and it's just about being smart using it. It's not just this team that was built with a lot of free agents. Like Darrell Rivas and Brandon Browner last last year for the Patriots, the Seahawks have Michael Bennett and Cliff Avril. You, you can go back the whole way through and you'll find the best teams are built that way. Like everyone pray we, we praise Ted Thompson too much in Green Bay. He's a guy who does what everyone says is the right thing to do, focus on the draft completely, don't bother with free agency, don't make trades because those players are overpaid. And then you look at his roster and he has no receivers. Yeah. He, he has very, a very limited a limited offensive line and he's lacking in running back talent because he's only focused on the draft and he's narrowed down his uh, his margin for error. And I think that's that's the one thing the Broncos have done really well and it's one thing that Elway deserves a huge amount of credit for. He's kind of left, uh, hasn't left any stone unturned and he's just kind of, evaluated every possible way he can improve this team. Yeah, it's an incredible achievement for Elway. It is, and I think a lot of it will be focused on Kubiak coming in, but like you said already, Wade Phillips was really the key, because I don't think the the running game was that much different this year than it would have been from last year's team. Uh, and obviously Manning was worse, so the whole passing game was a bit of a disaster. But Wade Phillips uh, it was a massive improvement over Jack Del Rio, and that's kind of been a win-win, because Jack Del Rio looks like he's doing a good job with the Raiders as well. It's rare that you find... Uh, a coaching move where one person leaves uh, and he gets he goes uh, to a better situation and another person comes in and actually improves on the person who left. So it, it really is one of those stories where everyone wins, which is very rare for an NFL. Is it like a long time? So we're talking about Elway and the way they've built that team. Like, I mean, you've got a lot of free agents now. You're going to build more than likely with a new quarterback. And I know that didn't do any harm this year, having no quarterback really. But I mean... You do have a limited window. Like, and we are we looking at the Broncos as a contender next year? I know it's too early to tell. We've the draft, we've free agency, everything to come. But I mean, right now we're not looking at them as a as a Super Bowl contender, are we? Well, I don't think they should move forward to Brock Osweiler, but they're going to have to figure that out. Their, their main concern right now is Von Miller because Von Miller is about to hit free agency, and he's hitting free agency at the perfect time. Yeah, he thought, they're talking about it, um, giving him a, a Sue like contract, which would just cripple. The cap, well, obviously the cap's going up, but it's going to be relative, and it's, he's going to take a huge chunk of what they can spend. It's always difficult to keep Super Bowl teams together. I think right now the way the NFL is going, every team seems to be significantly flawed. So if you have that great defense, if you can keep that great defense together, I would be surprised if they're not contending in the AFC again next year. Yeah, pour out a forty to Demarius Thomas's career as well. Can't remember the last time I saw him make a catch even less than ten yards. <laughs> Less than 10 yards in the Super Bowl. It was crazy. I tell you, you see, the thing is, their offense might not be completely crap. It's just that they don't have a quarterback. So maybe next year they might have somebody who can throw the ball to talented wide receivers like Demarius Thomas. Mm. Matt Flynn still available. (laughs) Uh, And of course, trying to steal the thunder of the Super Bowl, Marshawn Lynch tweets a picture of his cleats hanging up in a a changing room with 10 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, Keane's favorite footballer. It's... um, I just love the fact that he did that with 10 minutes left in the Super Bowl and everyone was talking about him and no one was talking about the Super Bowl. That shows how big of a character he is. This uh, game's over. I've, I've got a message to get out there to my people. It's like, uh, yeah, or or just how big his ego is, right? Is there, like, you know, he's got a free pass for this. Yeah, most other sports people do this type of thing and it's like, here, hang on a second. Could you not have waited half an hour, yeah. maybe? I do actually think that that was really calculated and I think it was calculated because he doesn't really want to be talked about a huge amount because it hasn't been that big of a story because of the Super Bowl. Everyone's been talking about Newton and the press conference and the fumble. So whatever he wanted to do, it obviously worked. Yeah. 
Sam, just on mixed point, are, are Denver contenders next year? I mean, do you automatically put them in there as a team now who are battle hardened and uh, know exactly what it takes? Once you get to this point, it's gonna it's it's hard to see. Like they should definitely have a reasonable season next year. It, this is a team that's had a lot of roster turnover in the past couple of years, and I think they're going to have a lot of it this season as well. So it's kind of going to depend how it ends up looking. I, I don't think they're going to let Von Miller go anywhere. They're going to retain him. But if they retain him, I can't see them keeping Malik Jackson as well. So that's a big loss. Um, the offense, you know, they're going to have almost certainly some kind of substandard quarterback, but then they did it this season with a substandard quarterback, even if its name was Peyton Manning. You know, the, the offense is actually pretty easy to improve on if they hit on a couple of uh, offensive linemen, maybe add some, you know, a weapon, a tight end or a, a running back. So the offense can definitely get better, even if they don't find a quarterback. It's just a case of how much of that defense they can keep intact. Just one last question. I'm, we've talked about how great the Broncos were. We talked about Carolina Blow. We've barely talked about Peyton Manning, which is kind of great. Like, it is the story, you know. Fair play to him. He's won two Super Bowls. No, he, he, pro- no, he probably deserved it over the course of his career. Fair enough. Has there ever been, though, on a, something to end on a happier note, has there ever been a worse performance by a winning quarterback in the Super Bowl? Apparently John Elway in the <laughs> second one had almost exactly the same statistics as him. Was he as actually bad as him, I, though? I doubt it. I Wasn't John Namath worse? Joe Namath, really? I, I read that somewhere that he, he some, I, might, I might have the wrong name, but there was someone that was like two for seven, it's probably 50 years ago. There was someone that was like two for seven for 25 yards or something. Super Bowl three was Namath, so uh, yeah, maybe we'll go all the way back there, that's fine. Um, At the same time, there is... The <laughs> Roethlisberger, actually, from his first one. Apparently that was bad, I don't remember. That was yeah, everyone, everyone was complaining about that that year as well. So, Randall L should have touched on that in that game. The thing is, right, like having Peyton Manning out there doing all his stuff and winding the clock down, like there is a power to his presence. And certainly from all the stuff afterwards, granted it's afterwards and it's after the event. And so, of course, it was the right thing to do. His emotional speech the night before was a rallying cry for the team and and they saw him as a leader. So there is an intangible that goes beyond the fact that he had 12 successive three and outs. Yeah, there's. Like you said, the first thing we started off saying is that this was both defenses, not just Denver. So you got to bear in mind this Carolina defense was fantastic. So it was always going to limit a guy who wasn't playing well anyway. But there's definitely something to the idea that Manning puts them in the best situation to succeed most of the time pre-snap. So he's getting them in the play that has the best chance, even if it's going to be pretty well covered or it's it's tough sledding against a really good defense. You saw that. The very first play of the game was a, a nice pass to Owen Daniels over the middle, working against the leverage of a linebacker. Smart play, gets them going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Now, against a defense that good, there was always going to be a lot of three and outs and a lot of plays that went nowhere. But, you know, he did, I think, okay, given the circumstances. He didn't play well, and there was a couple of really ugly passes in there. But generally speaking, I think you can't begrudge him the second ring. You actually can't. No. Like I was saying that during the fourth quarter, it was like we were like, I hate Manning. You know, he's he's this, he's terrible. It's like Peyton Manning is like obviously as a Patriots fan was always the quarterback I was most scared of. He is on his day the best I've ever seen. The only guy who could pull something out of his ass whenever he needed to, and all that. Like it's it, it is fun to root against him, and I'm like. Glad it's over. No, it, it's a pity he won a Super Bowl as he was like decrepitly coming towards the end of his career for me, but he definitely deserved to over the course of his career. Like I don't think there's any doubt about that. He definitely deserved at least the same as Eli. 
Um, at least. And I'm sure he's, 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 he got another chance to uh, support Budweiser. So I know. He's, he's that and the, greatest, the, great, the greatest corporate shill in the history of America. Lads, it's been a privilege spending the year with you. Thanks so much for making the time for us. <clears throat> My thanks to you guys. And uh, I hope you enjoy some kind of vague off season or are you straight at it again? When's the yeah, combine? What off season? I'm walking <laughs> right now. Key and Sam, great stuff, lads. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. Cheers, lads. All right, is this the Mix Picks bit? No, no. Mix Picks is long done. This is just us saying goodbye to the loyal listeners who've been with us, you know, every fourth or fifth week throughout the NFL <laughs> season. Irregular, <laughs> regularly irregular. Yeah, like, I mean, Mix Picks is long over. You win, I'm giving you credit for what it. Happened you still owe me a lunch from last year. Yeah, you still owe me uh, fish and chips from the uh, oh, fantasy, actually, so yeah, we yeah. call it quits. What, um... I can't even remember what we said in the last pod, but I think we, everybody went for Carolina, right? Yeah, I definitely backed Carolina before Sam and Keane came on and scared the shite out of me. Yeah. But uh, it was too late, so I had Carolina minus five and I went for them. I think you did as well. Um, yeah, I had a pretty good gambling week last week, actually. I um, had Italy plus 21 against France, which was the easiest money I've ever made in my yeah. life. And then I had, I said... On air on Friday, that Leicester were ridiculous price at 9-2 to beat Man City. Didn't have the balls to put them in there. Yeah, they're even bigger other places, yeah. Yeah, and and then, uh, but but I had a double on um, Wales plus one, which was perfect for the draw, and uh, Carolina, which meant ruined my gambling weekend, Oh, yeah. See, that's why if you do it... It all ended up at the end of the night, you know? Um, yeah, I backed Wales straight out. Really, instead of all week, I'd be like, oh, plus three, Wales, that's so stupid. That's that's really, they shouldn't be plus three at all. And then I was like, uh, I blame Gavin Comiskey, actually. He tweeted, if if the Ireland team is what, I've seen it. <laughs> uh, and it was. <clears throat> so, there you go. Oh, well, I did I did actually call the draw in the morning because I was like, you know, I don't want to be unpatriotic and back against Ireland, but at least it's plus one. I mean, we can still technically get a draw out of this. Or... Ah, look, it's not unpatriotic. Was... It's making sure that you cover your bases. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I just want to, my last whine about fantasy football for the year. Oh, God. Oh, God. I had the Denver defense. Like, I had the greatest, literally the greatest fantasy football team of all time didn't win the league. Week by week, Jared. Did you even have the most points? Oh, by like a thousand. Okay. (laughs) I think I was 300 points clear. You beat me by, I'd say, about 500 points in the third and fourth place playoff. I'm not going to actually go into the details of it, but it was something close to that. The the Denver D I picked up in the offseason last year for nothing. There you go. Yeah. Well, look, you had a good year. You you do play a 12 months round. That that does give you a certain advantage. (laughs) I normally play it five minutes a week, if if I can remember. What a lie. And everybody's it's like, actually not a lie. Everybody's not in their head. No, it's so. actually not a lie, but I don't see it as a virtue either. I think that it it makes me a pathetic fancy football player. Yeah, you need to put in the time. You need to put in the work. Well, it's and just, I did in the early years. It's just an excuse to listen to news about what's going on. Yeah, that's and that's really like it was. It was definitely the easiest way to get into watching American football, which is an enjoyable pastime. Exactly. Except, if, if 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 people have just uh, you know loved the Super Bowl, probably not, but and decided just to type in NFL podcasts and have come across us and want to know more, that would be our advice. Wouldn't it? It's like get, get into fantasy, fantasy football. Just learn it as you're doing it. Like yeah. I mean, we've got Nathan and Dave out there and all like constantly talking about NFL this year. Yeah. Just learning players by 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 playing the fantasy every week yeah. and 
Dave hilariously made like you know dropping guys on bye week and all, even though they were his first overall pick. Yeah, and stuff like he stopped that. doing that soon enough. I, was like, don't, don't do I didn't get promoted without that loser league, so I can't, I can't talk. No, I'm pathetic. I just everything went wrong. I had I'll tell you who my top two wide receivers were, and they were very early picks. Various Thomas and Jordan Matthews. Okay. So I wasn't having that kind of year. I had Brady in a really low round because he was suspended when I picked yeah, him up. Yeah, yeah. That should uh, be enough to... Uh, I had Gronk. But other than that, I had nobody. Yeah. My running backs were Rashad Jennings and like all all of the Washington guys. At the and end, I never picked the right one in the right week. At the end you know? of the season as well, they were kind of tailoring Gronk's use for the back for the playoffs. They were yeah. holding him back to make yeah. sure that... I, I, it was a disaster. I looked like I was going to... I got to the first round of the playoffs like it was a bad league, but I was... For a man with a bad knee and a bad neck, he gives a good lap dance. Or bad, bad back and a bad knee. He gives a very good... He, he was lithe and limber. No, I think he's recovered. Uh, he's got a... Um... That was pretty quick, wasn't it? His recovery. I, like, seriously, I did think that everybody keeps saying he's on the verge of breaking down. His body's ruined. Mm. He's completely screwed. And he's like, not even sure he's going to play. Then he comes out and has a hundred jars. And... He's a, he, he is a physical freak. Like, he's just one of those... You just look at him and he's... A, but every time every time he catches the ball over the top his and knees. his knees are taken out and he just goes sideways up in the air with both his legs flying yeah. in the air I wait for him to get up and it's the longest second and a half of my life every single time but generally he does Um, he doesn't seem to like unless he is literally broken in half he doesn't seem to be affected by it all it's um, he's a monster but He's a, only a one-time Super Bowl winner, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. So, are you feeling confident that the somehow, I guess, the Patriots will be a much better team next year with Deion Patriots Lewis? Patriots are a young team. Uh, they've got Deion Lewis coming back. They've got um, a really, really good defense that got a lot better as the year went on. You know, going late in the playoffs helps you keep on to your coordinators as well. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. they, they're afraid, to teams are afraid in case, like, Matt Patricia doesn't want to. I don't know if he's in line for head coaching jobs, but uh, McDaniels... I think the offense needs a bit of work. We don't have a first round pick for absolutely no reason. Wow. Um, well, well, because you cheated. Well, not because well, Tommy was a, a cheat. Court, but a court would suggest otherwise. Well, we'll see. I'm sure. Uh, anyway, there's no first round pick. That's I don't think that's even being. They're not going to know. Well, I think the, the 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 deal was that he was accepting that, and then Tommy was going to get that. That was off. that's the narrative. Is that well, that's like, what Bill Simmons said now? Yeah, I, I well, don't that's, that's I, I'm going with that. <laughs> that's my he, single he's, source he's, on he's, that. He's um, definitely uh, you know completely unbiased on this. But look, forget about the fake. Forget about that. The Patriots, I would love to draft, like, you know, a left tackle <laughs> or, you know, an offensive lineman in the first round. They don't have one. But their left tackle, um, Nate Solder, was out injured for the entire year, was on IR. So I know everybody misses um, players, Somebody, but yeah. that was the one position that the Patriots could not afford to lose. Yeah. And they did. So between that, Deion Lewis, I think the offense would be better. I think that defense gets better. I think it's a young team. If Brady is still physically there they're 100% contenders I don't know the, the the. I don't think they're as bad in terms of losing free agents as they were last year either yeah there's no reason for him not to be physically still there next year it's not no. like he's had the surgeries or anything yep. there was that piece in the New York Times recently about his uh, health regimen which sounds even more ridiculous he than basically just eats leaves yeah no tomatoes <laughs> no no fruit either oh no 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 he's not no, nothing near fruit even 
pink Himalayan salt. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Did you see him getting? What did you think of him getting? Uh, he took he took the booing well. I thought he was waiting for a smile on his face and didn't go to the yellow mark that he was supposed to go to give away. If he just turned a quick left. They were all too in. dumb to go to the yellow mark. It was like, <laughs> and then you kept seeing people shouting at them, and they were like, "What? What?" Especially the older guys from yeah. like the early Super Bowls. The early, the, the really early Super Bowls were like from their home in Alabama, waving to a camera. Yeah. In the slow motion. Six weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a really nice touch. That was great. What a great thing to do. Peyton Manning just like didn't even bother acknowledging it was just warming up in the in the in the locker room. I presume they didn't tell him the cameras on you now. They just yeah, maybe. But uh, I thought that was a really cool move. Um, Dion Branch, I always think is a funny one to pop out in that, like he was a journeyman receiver for the Patriots, who was their uh, who oh, was the Super MVP. Bowl MVP in, Sorry, in yeah. the second uh, the Carolina Super Bowl in two thousand and three, four, two. Excuse me. Uh, so there was catch, a, there's he just a, caught the winning touchdown. Yeah, he, he had he had a lot of catches in that game. Yeah. I actually watched that last year. That game, uh, but Brady won the other two. But there's like there's all across that. But Montana, three, Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice won. I think Jerry Rice had 240 yards in the '94 game. Whatever one he was, it was like it was literally it was like 240 yards and three touchdowns. Like, I think it might have been the shit. fourth game actually, the fourth Super Bowl of Montana. The Bengals. Steve Young won the '95. Uh, MVP. So there, there was that run. It, it is funny when you're when you're watching those things, and you talk about kind of dynasties um, that you, you know you know from you know NFL films or America's Game and stuff like that. It's not until you kind of hear that list and you go and like three time MVP Joe yeah. Montana, and then someone else, and then it's got Jerry Rice, and then someone else, and then he goes Steve Young. You yeah. go, Jesus, that 49ers team. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Were you a 49ers? You weren't a 49ers fan back then, right? No, like I'm a 49ers fan because I went to San Francisco on my J1 okay, yeah. a couple of years ago. I was like, gosh, you know, this should be my team. I picked them and then Harbaugh arrived. And I'm like, oh, they're actually a good team. It's good to watch. So I was a bit of a fluke. But obviously, then you um, embrace the whole past history. and history. Yeah, it's so, like I'm a, I'm a massive fan of the Aston Villa 1981-82 European Cup that happened before I was born. Peter Witt, <laughs> what a guy. And uh, and Ron Saunders, what are an unlikely story, but um, it's exactly the same. So like you're listening all week to Eddie DeBartolo Jr. who's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, or not, because yeah. he was involved in a massive bribery scandal in Louisiana about a casino license. Yeah, and that's why he lost the team, and that's why the Yorks, who's his sister's, his sister's son, has the team now. And I didn't really kind of understand all of that stuff that had happened. Uh, and of course, they just completely blew the um, the cap rules for like about five years, and so ended up losing all their picks and were this like awful franchise for about. They were terrible, like for that about ten years. So I, when I started getting into NFL, like early two thousands, like the Forty ers were this team that you knew of from being a kid. They were the they were the benchmark. And every year I watched them, they were the worst team in the league. Yeah. You know, they were there with the Jaguars. I like. think that had all of that had to do with yeah. the fact that they had no cast base and they had no draft picks as yeah. a result of breaking the rules. But, but they're not going back there, are they? Oh No, definitely not, because the, the cast base is unbelievable at the moment. Okay. They've got the third most and they've got 13 picks in this forthcoming draft. So I feel quite positive about it. But one of the stats that I heard today, during his time as owner, the average wins per season was 13 over like an 18-year period. And his first two seasons, he had two wins. And they they weren't spitting at him, throwing bottles at him. And they wanted to get, yeah. to get rid Alex of him. Alex Ferguson, like. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. like, so maybe. The, the maybe, 49ers story, I always thought, like, I'm obviously as a neutral, like, I'm not a neutral on it. But I always think the Patriots, you know, how they built it and were this popular team that became super unpopular and were the first team to run out as a team in the Super Bowl 
which everybody does now yeah. and and like you know like really really scared the shit out like st louis were there what the hell after being introduced yeah. individually but sorry i'm back on top of it i always find the most interesting story other than that being bill walker's 49ers yeah. and kind of how that came about and basically reinventing the game with montana and rice and it's just it's a fascinating one for anyone like this is the you have got basically nine eight nine months now before the season comes back it's the longest off season in any sport if you're just getting into it, if you're here for the Super Bowl or if you've just started watching this season or whatever, you know, NFL.com, NFL Films, random shows on Sky Sports all, all the time, it's well worth kind of catching up on the history of the game. Like. Oh, totally. The America's Game would be the first starting point, I would yeah. say, for that. And because um, you can just Box go year by year well, yeah. um, and they're all they're all available online as well, really easily. Secretly. Yeah. Um, we, we are not you know, paid yeah, the by NFL, the NFL. <laughs> no, the NFL, I think, send them out and they don't care about that, that stuff because like, yeah. Unless they're on NFL Network, but like the, I still don't fully understand what the revolution was with the West Coast offense. But I have a couple of Bill Walsh books. I've seen Bill Walsh standing at a blackboard X-Nels. loads of times, you yeah. know, in really, really short shorts. <laughs> and <laughs> and given out about the media, he fucking hated the media, absolutely hated them. So it's brilliant stuff. Like, and it, it's kind of, it, uh, it does make you feel like there's a thing there that it's interesting to watch. One last point about the Super Bowl. Have you seen the Michael Orr video where, um. One of the guys comes, uh, I don't know, whoever, it might have been his direct opponent, just pushes him and or can't get his feet and slides. It's just like it's like he's literally on a slide. The turf at Levi Stadium is apparently appalling. And there's yeah. another, yeah, yeah. Greg Olsen's about to break back on a route and, and be open for Cam and slips. And then Cam has to scamper and it's one of the few times that he runs and he runs to the sideline. You're yeah. like, just everything that could possibly go wrong for the Panthers. It's kind of dreadful they can't get that stuff right. One, in a new stadium and two, in a um, a place that they choose for the Super Bowl that they can't have everything ready. That yeah. like It's a long time since a game was played there. Well, you sorry, know? but it, during the season it was shit as well. Yeah. And it has been now for two years. So you're kind of thinking, apparently it was a massive success and they're going to get it back in like four or five years. Yeah. So it's now, they're now in their heavy rotation. Uh. Really quick point, though, just on you mentioned the 49ers rebuilding. You've got the Rams moving to LA. You've got the Cardinals who, like, laid an egg in the NFC Championship game. They're a really really good team. And you've got Seattle, a really good game. The NFC West was a laughing stock, was a punchline for a good few years. Yeah. If the Rams, you know, used their move to LA and, like, they've got a decent, they've got really good defense. They've got some good, 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 good lines. The Rams must be looking at what Denver have done and think, hang on a second. Yeah. Like, we beat really good teams yeah, in those three games. three defensive free agents here and build, you know, build the, as we'll call them, the 2015 Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, look, there's lots to look forward to next year, but it's a long time till now. Are we going to throw in like random podcasts definitely, in this? In this uh... Definitely. We'll do, we'll do a draft. We'll do some other stuff as well. Maybe like Game of Thrones or something like that as yeah, well, like absolutely. last year. Yeah, well, I, I could definitely do a Game of Thrones. We could do with the jinx. I would definitely go for a jinx. I'd have to rewatch that. That is an incredible show. There is news. There's news breaking as well over the last little while about that. If you want uh, TV podcasts, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Jerry or he's at McCarthy Mick. Thanks very much for listening and being part of our journey. We were glad that we could be part of yours. We love you, man. Thanks very much. I love you. Bye bye. <laughs>